Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, author, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more chilling stories from the supernatural realm. Favorite ghost stories, favorite urban legends. Do you have a favorite story that you'd like for me to to share? Be sure to let me know and I'll try to share that for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the episodes. It's really great fun to tell these stories. It's summertime. We're in July 2019 as I record this and it's hot outside, but after the sun falls down behind the trees and the temperature drops just a little bit, one of my favorite things is to have a summer campfire. Nothing like a good hot dog cooked over a campfire with the smoke billowing up, the smell of the wood burning, the toasted marshmallows, and most importantly, the stories around the campfire. Good, creepy ghost stories and urban legends. They've been shared for many years, many decades, probably many centuries, and they've passed on from generation to generation. Let's not stop that. Let's keep that storytelling tradition going because it's it's great fun and great entertainment. Whether you're at a summer camp, camp counseling, or if you're on a family vacation, maybe out somewhere in the woods or a campground, camping out with your camper or tent. I did that many years with my family and we really enjoyed it, but my favorite was always telling those stories around that campfire. Tonight I'm going to share a few favorite modern ghost stories that were born in more recent decades, and they're still fun to tell today and hopefully will continue for more decades from now. So let's go ahead and get down to business, but first... As I talked to you in previous episodes about my haunted collection, have any of you seen the new movie Annabelle Comes Home? If you're a fan of the Conjuring universe, be sure to give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Very creepy stuff and interesting stories about the Warren haunted collection that some some of the items I had not heard of yet. And it's going to be interesting to see if they make more movies to tell further stories about those items. Be sure to go to the theater and check out the movie. It's playing right now in a theater near you. And speaking of scary stories and urban legends, be sure to check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Coming out on August the 9th in theaters everywhere based on the classic book collection of stories of the same name, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's been a popular book for many years now. Be sure to check it out if you haven't yet because you don't know what you're missing there. Very spooky illustrations and great storytelling. And now back to business with some 
great spooky ghost stories coming at you right now. These are modern ghosts. Traditionally, the ghosts of pale knights and gray ladies have wandered the drafty corridors of gothic castles, but today, very few live in castles, gothic or otherwise, and the supply of pale knights and gray ladies has dropped significantly. It's hard to imagine a ghostly pale knight clanking and groaning while riding up and down in the elevator of a 20-story apartment building, or of a gray lady carrying her head down the corridor of a suburban high school. Not hard to picture, but still very rare these days. Still, the ghosts have not disappeared, not by any means at all. They have merely changed form. Here are some contemporary examples. Example 1. In New Orleans, teenagers are warned to stay out of the park at night because of the ghost of Marie. In life, Marie was a young girl very much in love with a fellow named Bob. She had become pregnant by him and she wanted to marry him and spend the rest of her days with him. To grow old and bear children and grandchildren, that was her dream. But Bob, he had other ideas. He was young and wild and didn't want to be saddled with a wife and kid early in life. So one night he took Marie walking in the park. And when they reached a deserted spot, he stabbed her to death. Bob hoped that the killing would be attributed to some unknown sex maniac, but he wasn't clever enough, and there was plenty of evidence indicating that he was the killer. The police brought him in, and he broke down and confessed almost at once. He's still in jail to this day. Marie was not satisfied with human justice. Her spirit now haunts the park where she was killed. The ghost carries the bloody knife that she was murdered with. And it is said that she takes a horrible, unspeakable revenge on any young man caught in the park at night. So when the sun dips down, you'd better dip out, young fellas. Example 2 At the University of Indiana, there are some very old buildings. One of them, a girl's dorm, is haunted. This, according to the stories that have been told by generations of Indiana students, is how the haunting came about. The dorm had once been a men's dorm, and there was a medical student who lived in a room on the third floor. He had been sneaking his girlfriend into the room for some time. One evening, when they were up in his room together, she told him that she was pregnant and that they would need to get married as soon as possible. 
The medical student felt that his whole future would be ruined. Everything he had worked for and dreamed of was crumbling around him. He would never be able to finish medical school, and besides that, he didn't like the girl anyway. He became enraged, almost insane. He grabbed for one of the knives that medical students use in dissection, and stabbed her in the throat. She died instantly, without making a sound. The medical student then waited until it was very late at night, and the corridors of the dorm were deserted. He carried the girl's body down into the building's huge basement and hid it in an unused passageway, hoping that it would never be found. But after the girl was missing for a few days, the police began to suspect the medical student, who was known to be her boyfriend. They arrested him, and he confessed to what he had done. And led them to the body, but the murdered girl's ghost still haunts the old building, which has now turned into a girl's dorm. Those who have seen it say she has long black hair, wears a yellow nightgown, and her face is absolutely frightening. Example three. Among Chicanos, there is a ghostly figure that is widely known and much feared. It is that of La Llorona, the Weeping Woman. No one knows the ghostly figure's real name or the details of her life and death. There are many stories that try to recount it, but no one knows really truly what happened. This much is agreed upon in every version. In life, she was a young woman who had several children. She fell hopelessly in love with a bad, wild man who didn't like children and didn't want them around. So, in an act of desperate love, the woman drowned her own children. Then, after the deed, she was so overcome with remorse that she drowned herself. Now, the figure with long black hair, blowing wildly in the wind, and eyes red from constant weeping, wanders up and down along the banks of the river, crying for her lost children. It is considered extremely bad luck to see La Llorona, or even to hear her crying. And many of those who have reported the apparition have died mysteriously within the year. It is said, "Don't let your children hear her, or she will lead them away, never to be seen again." As I spoke of the Conjuring universe earlier. A few months ago, a motion picture version of this came out called *The Curse of La Llorona*. It will be available on Blu-ray and digital in the next week, so be sure to check that out 
it's a good movie. Example number four. At Camp Strongbow, there was a regular initiation rite for new boys. The counselors would take each one out in the woods alone and tell him that he had to pass a survival test. The test was to see if the camper would survive on his own in the woods for a whole entire week. The counselors would then hand the terrified camper a hunting knife and three matches, and tell him that they would be back in a week to pick him up. Of course, it was a joke. The new campers had to spend only one night in the woods. When the counselors came to get them the next morning, most boys were so happy to be rescued that they couldn't get mad at the joke that had been played on them. A couple of years ago, the counselors at Camp Strongbow took a new camper out into the woods and told him the story of having to survive for a week alone. This particular boy was from a big city and had never been in the woods before. Besides, he was very timid. So when the counselors left him with his knife and three matches, he was really scared. Early the next morning, the counselors went to pick the boy up, but they could not find him. It seems he had been able to build a fire. They found a small pile of charred wood and two spent matches to prove that. But the boy was nowhere to be found. The counselors searched all day, but to no avail. The next day, the state police were called in, and they brought bloodhounds. Still, no clue to the fate of the missing camper was ever discovered. The practice of initiating new campers by taking them off into the woods. Was stopped very quickly. In fact, Camp Strongbow was closed down and had to reopen under another name. But many people have seen a mysterious light in the woods around that camp during the summer. When the source of the light is discovered, people find the remains of a small campfire and two spent matches. But there is never a trace of the person who built the fire. Example number five. At Paola High School, there was once a trumpet player who played second chair, which means he was number two in the trumpet section. He was an ambitious young man, very anxious to make first chair. He practiced and practiced, and although he was very good, he was never quite good enough to make first chair. But he kept on practicing anyway. One night, when the band was playing out at the football stadium, the band director sent this boy back to the high school for some equipment that had been forgotten. The equipment was stored in a room above the stage. And there was a winding flight of metal stairs leading to that storage room. 
The footing on the stairs was tricky, and when the trumpeter was coming down the stairs, his arms full of all that equipment, he accidentally slipped, banged his head on the metal stairs, and was killed by the blow. Even today, practically any time you drive past the main door of the high school, you can hear him practicing, still trying to make that first chair. They say he has never let, left the building and refuses to until he makes his chairist position. And those dear friends are just some examples of wonderful stories you can tell around that summer campfire while you're enjoying those wieners and those toasted marshmallows. Keep sharing those stories and keep enjoying them. Now we're gonna switch gears a little bit with this story as it's got a little bit of a twist that you're not gonna see coming. We call this tale, The Very Old Man. Louise Curtis had just graduated from nursing school and she felt that she had been very lucky to land a job in one of the big fancy private hospitals. She was terribly, terribly anxious to do well in her new job. To tell the truth, Louise wasn't the brightest person in the world. She had gotten through school by working twice as hard as anybody else. She intended to get through the job the same way. Louise was at the hospital early every day. She never left until the job she was doing was completed. Even if it meant working an hour or two overtime, she never complained about that extra work. But most of all, Louise Curtis followed orders to the perfect T. If the head nurse told her to change the sheets, she would change the sheets. If the head nurse told her that all the patients in the ward had to have orange juice at 11 a.m., you can better believe they would have orange juice at 11 a.m., even if they didn't want it and didn't need it. You could count on that because Louise was a good soldier. Once she was given an order, she carried it out without questioning and without grumbling even if the order didn't make any sense at all. This quality didn't make Louise very popular with the other nurses. She's just like a robot, they would say. Wind her up and she walks, and if she hits a wall, she keeps right on walking till she runs down. She certainly doesn't have any initiative, said one of the kinder nurses, but you have to admit she is a hard worker. Soul's a mule, said an angry nurse. She'll never get anywhere because she hasn't got any brains. But the administration will always use her example to try to make the rest of us look bad. You're always hearing things like Nurse Curtis doesn't mind cleaning all the bedpans or Nurse Curtis doesn't mind working an extra shift. I'm sick of hearing about what Nurse Curtis will do. Although the other nurses wouldn't speak quite that frankly, most of them agreed. 
The head nurse, of course, realized Louise's shortcomings and her good points. One day she went up to Louise and said, Nurse Curtis, I've had my eye on you for quite a while now. You're not like most of the women today. You're a hard worker and you know how to follow directions, so I have a special job for you. She led Louise through a long corridor into a part of the hospital she had never been in before. At the end of the corridor was a locked room. The head nurse took a key that she wore on a chain around her neck and unlocked the door. But before she opened it, she said to Louise, Nurse Curtis, what you see and hear from now on is for you and you alone, your eyes only. It is never to be spoken of to anyone except me. Do you understand? Louise agreed. Good girl, said the head nurse. I knew you could be trusted. She then opened the door and led Louise inside. The room contained an astonishing array of medical machinery, some of which Louise rec recognized, but much of which was totally unfamiliar to her. At the center of the room there was a bed, and on that bed was a very old man. The thin corpse-like figure did not move. Wires and tubes led to various parts of the body. There was a big patch, a cloth-like patch wrapped around part of his head. The only signs of life from the old man's form were very faint breathing and the responses of the various monitoring machines to which he was attached. Some wires and tubes led from machines that kept him alive. Others led to machines that kept track of the faint flickering of life that remained within the shrunken body. What portion of the old man's face that she could see looked vaguely familiar to Louise. Do you recognize him? asked the head nurse. Louise shook her head in acknowledgement. Of course, he's, he, he's changed a good deal, but my God, that's Abraham Lincoln. The nurse spoke a name that pretty much anybody would recognize. Louise gasped. I, I thought he was dead. He, he died decades and centuries ago. The world thinks he's dead, but as you can see, he isn't, said the head nurse. There's no telling how long he can go on this way, but he's gone on for a very long time. Now, your special duties are to come into this room three times a day to take the readings from these machines and record them on this chart. You are to change the fluids in these containers and the nurse went through a long list of instructions, many, many things to attend to, until finally she said, this above all is most important, Louise. Under no circumstances are you to touch the patient. Do you hear me? Don't touch him!
Louise understood what she was supposed to do. Being diligent, she came into the locked room three times a day and did everything she was supposed to do. Time passed and she followed her instructions to the letter. She never talked to anyone but the head nurse about what she did in that secret room. And she never touched the body of the old man. The head nurse was very pleased with Louise's work. Louise did not have much imagination or curiosity, but after a few months went by, she became a bit curious. Day after day, the patient just lay there without moving, barely breathing. The readings on the machine were always the same. Nothing ever seemed to change. Why, she began to wonder, can't I touch him? In his condition, he would never even feel it. The thought grew in Louise's mind. It grew and grew and festered until it became very nearly an obsession. Many days she would go into the room and reach out, nearly but not quite touching the old man. It was beginning to drive her insane. Then one day, she could stand it no longer. She reached out that trembling hand ever so slowly and boop, touched the old man lightly on the arm. Instantly, his eyes opened. It was the first time that Louise had seen any movement other than shallow breathing in the corpse-like figure. Then his bandaged head turned from side to side until he fixed his one staring eye on Louise. She stepped back from the bed in terror. The frail form sat up, pulling out a mass of tubes and wires, spilling fluids all over the bed and starting the machines to beep and whir frantically. A second later, the old man was on his feet and advancing slowly. Advancing, advancing toward Louise. His eyes were glazed and his mouth hung half open. The sight propelled Louise into action. She dashed for the door, but found that it had locked automatically when she shut it. The old man was coming closer and closer. She ran to a corner of the room. With surprising speed, the old man followed her. She ran to another corner. Again, he followed, this time getting closer. She ran again, and again the old man followed. There was no way out. Louise was growing tired getting more tired and tired, but the horrible old man seemed to gain strength each time she ran. Finally, she felt she was trapped and could run no more. As she slid down into the corner of the room, down to the floor, her back pressed against the wall, 
the old man crept up within reach. He stuck out a trembling, skeleton-like hand closer and closer to her until he was just in just an inch from her skin. And then in a quick, snake-like motion, he touched Louise's shoulder, causing her to shudder. Tag! shouted the old man. Now you're it! <laughs> and that is the end of the tale. A nice little funny twist. Yes, even ghost stories and urban legends can have a little funny ending to an otherwise chilling, terrifying ghost story. Thank you so, so much for tuning in yet again to hear me share some of my favorite tales. And I hope you continue to share these on and on. Enjoy that summer campfire. Toast those marshmallows. But watch out for those things that might be creeping around out in those dark trees of that deep, mysterious forest. But don't be too scared because by all means, please have a happy haunting. (laughs) 